one of the things that I think most business owners struggle with that we see all the time in business accelerators, how do I continue to grow and scale my company that is not reliant upon me? Mm. And how can I hire people that take ownership the way that I do, that I live and breathe this thing. And like, I'm the one that's taking all the risk as the owner, the bottom line impacts me, my family is that I know that stress. And so I'm able to really take ownership of this company. And Michael has given me that freedom to do so. Like, even though I've got that experience, it takes a leader like Michael to be able to give some of the reins over so that I can act like an owner. I don't have ownership in the company, but we want all of our executives to act like an owner. So the big question is this, how do small business owners like us grow our business, grow our leadership and develop our teams in a way that allows us to get our products and services out of the world, yet still remain profitable? That is the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Bradley Hamner, and this is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Hey, before we get into today's episode, did you know that Club Capital is the largest accounting and advisory firm for insurance agency owners in the country, providing monthly accounting, CFO services, and tax preparation? Check them out at club.capital. Welcome to another episode of the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. My name is Bradley Hamner. I'm grateful for having you join us today. I'm really excited to introduce to you Chad Cannon. He's the Chief Sales Officer at Michael Hyatt & Company. Chad and I have got to know each other for the last couple of years. He has a really strong background in publishing and journalism and just being around books. And that led him to be introduced to Michael. And then he went on to start his own company. And then he came on and was the Chief Marketing Officer at Michael Hyatt & Company before moving over to become the Chief Sales Officer. So Chad incredibly smart person, has just an array of background. I think it's going to be really interesting for you to be able to pick up on how he thinks about leading his sales team, how he thinks about marketing. We talk a little bit about really where marketing is going. And I think it's all going to be something that all of you are going to really love to hear him say, because it is change from where things were. And just also how he's been able to use and leverage leading and owning his own business and how he's been able to learn and really sympathize and empathize with some of the decisions that Michael has to make in growing this company. I mean, they've gone from four people, four full-time people with some contractors when he first came on with Michael Hyatt just a few short years ago to now they're close to 50 and probably by the end of this year, close to 60 team members. I mean, there's not a better person to learn about how to grow and scale a company and some of the things along the way, both from leading a sales team and marketing than Chad. I'm grateful for his time, obviously incredibly busy with a lot of things going on with that company. So really excited for all of you to get to know and meet Chad Cannon, Chief Sales Officer at Michael Hyde and Company. Let's get into it. Wouldn't it be a great start to 2021 by having more leads in your book of business? Well, that's where our partners at Direct Clicks Inc. come in. Their team's dialed-in approach to running Google ads and online SEO campaigns maximize the quality and the volume of your leads, whether that's for inbound phone calls or even exclusive leads through your website. Direct Clicks Inc. works only with PNC insurance agency owners, so they have thousands of hours creating, A-B split testing, and improving online campaigns specifically for insurance. They also understand why each and every marketing dollar matters in providing true results, low paper clicks, transparency, and attention to detail, all of which is discussed in depth during your monthly review calls. 
reach out to the Direct Clicks team at directclicksinc.com. That's directclicksinc.com and find out how they can make a difference in your approach to generating new business. Chad, welcome to the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Thanks, Brad. Excited to be here. So we always like to start with background and origin story. And so just getting to know you over the last couple of years and just seeing the progression that you've had, I think you have an incredible background that has really shaped the person and the professional that you are today. So for those that don't know you, why don't you just kind of go back first and then walk us through until present day? Yeah. So spent a lot of my career in the book publishing world. So helping brands launch their books and left that world to start my own marketing agency to really help small businesses and authors that have this intellectual property. How do you actually build a business off of this intellectual property? It's kind of what I specialized in in the agency. Michael Hyatt was a client of mine when I launched the agency. And so when I started working with Michael, there were two or three employees and helping them. I was the basically their director of marketing as a contractor. So we were actually building out their team of employees, even though I was a contractor and really growing that business. And about 18 months in, we started having conversations about potentially like hiring my replacement because my agency was exploding. Michael had bought my time, even though he was only about 10% of the revenue of the agency. Now he was 50% of my personal time. So we started having conversations and it turned into like, Hey, what would it look like for us to hire you? So I've now been full-time with Michael Hyatt for five years, been working with him for a total of about seven, built kind of our marketing team as our chief marketing officer for about four, and now over the last two years, um, our chief sales officer as we're building and growing out the sales team, which is going after small business owners and helping them grow and scale in a way that is sustainable. So there's different programs that we're selling there. In the publishing, you were with Thomas Nelson at the time, is that right? I was, yep, yep. So were you there at the time that whenever the Kindles and really there was a concern about whether or not books are going to just go by the wayside and everybody was going to reading it on our iPads and everything else at the time? Were you a part of that? Because it really seems like that there's been a renaissance in the book publishing the last several years. And I know me personally, I just always love the physical book. And so while sometimes I do books and listen to books on Audible, my best way to do it is actually have the physical book. I have all of your books and Michael Hyatt's books, but it just seems like books are really on fire again. Yeah, for sure. I was there when that was happening. There was fear that the trend was showing that could be within a year, 50 to 60% of all books were going to be digital. Michael, when he was the CEO at Thomas Nelson, he was very big on not believing that to be the case. You know, he was quick to innovate and pivot to digital, but he's like, I don't see this ever becoming more than 25%. And honestly, 25% was the height. And now I think it's gone down to maybe 13 or 14% of all book sales are digital. And depending on the genre, like fiction is more like 50%. Nonfiction books, people like to take notes and write and all of that. Like, and I'm an early adopter of technology. So I was like, I loved it. And then I got a Kindle and loaded it up and never read books or I read them and didn't retain them. So then I went back to physical and analog is a big part of our business. We as an executive team, Michael Hyatt and company, read the book Revenge of Analog. Yeah. And that's actually the seed of our core product. Now, Michael Hyatt and company is our full focus planner. Yeah. We said, hey, people are craving, not only they're craving it because digital doesn't give you this experience. It was also from a standpoint of learning and retention, analog is way more valuable to you as a leader than digital. So so it was actually, I think it was Michael, I heard him talk about that book for the first time. I bought that book and read that book. And in that book, they talk about one of my favorite products, which is Moleskin. And actually I'm taking notes yep. on a Moleskin notebook right now. Yep. 
And I'm a user of the Full Focus Planner. Absolutely love it. I've tried different planners out there and there are a few other really good ones, but it's absolutely my favorite planner. I mean, I promote it. I send it to coaching clients that we have. And so absolutely love what you guys are doing with the Full Focus Planner and everything. So I want to go back to one thing. I've heard you talk on another podcast about the time that you were really on board with pay-per-click. And I'm not asking this question per se about pay-per-click. What I'm asking is, is just how you have seen things, tactics change over time. Mm -hmm. So really, I'm going to ask this question from a marketing perspective, because I want to talk to you about your ownership and in marketing and in sales. And so for our listening audience that are small business insurance owners, they lead a sales team. And then they have Mm -hmm. to also wear the hat of being a chief marketing officer. They have to wear so many hats in their business. And a lot of times they get really down in the weeds of tactics of like, well, this is working Mm -hmm. and it works for a period of time and then it goes away. And so can you just talk about Mm -hmm. how you have seen things go up and down, but yet there probably is some kernels of strategies that have remained constant throughout the years. 100%. From a marketing standpoint, email is still the most valuable thing. If you can capture an email address, it's the most valuable thing. Michael always says you cannot build a business on a rented lot and everything but your email. And there's some things about your email that's somewhat rented. You're at the mercy of internet service providers and spam filters and all of that, but nothing compared to the changes that Google can make overnight to an algorithm, Facebook can make to an algorithm, Instagram, all of that. So I actually built a speakers bureau and our whole strategy was around, we owned four keywords on pay-per-click. So I taught myself pay-per-click, our marketing expense went down 80% and our lead flow went up 100% by dialing in pay-per-click. That lasted for three or four years. That worked well. And then Facebook became just a massive disruptor. Is still very, very effective, but it's nothing like it was five years ago. We were building Michael Hyde and company. We could get leads for less than a dollar, like really qualified leads to a webinar, to an ebook. It's now between five and $10. So we have to be way more efficient with those leads. And we've had to get more creative. You mentioned the Full Focus Planner. That product is actually our biggest lead generator. And so we've actually thought about that product more as a lead generator in our business than it is a profit center because of the other things we know people buy once they leverage, use the planner and see the transformation. And so what I would say is you have to understand first to your target audience, we say avatar, but who is that person? I'm sure those that are listening to you in insurance, depending on where you live and what you specialize in, sometimes you're going after people that are near retirement. Sometimes you're going after people that are trying to build wealth and trying to capture them before and help their portfolio grow as they grow potentially. So you just have to know where they're going and where they're at, where they're consuming. And it doesn't always have to be digital, but could be in person speaking, different things like that. But it's where are your people hanging out and how do you get their attention? Mm -hmm. And content is king. So delivering really good content to the point, what are the questions people are asking and how can you set yourself up to add value and be the expert there? Like I look back as to when I jumped into kind of the insurance world and I'm like, so thankful that I did. My financial advisor walked me through some options. I was like, I didn't even know this existed. I just had no knowledge of it. My parents didn't teach me that kind of stuff. I was making really good money at an early age. Like I tell people when I have my own business, I was making less money than I was as an executive, but I was building wealth in different ways, the pre-tax, you know, and I was educated on the different ways that I could use the money coming out of the business to help build wealth other than just salary. And to me, it was mind boggling. And honestly, an insurance agent is the one that kind of helped me think through that. So whenever you mentioned about the Speakers Bureau, I wanted to ask you this question. It's one of the main things. So it's a really good segue. So 
of course, COVID has changed a lot of that, at least in 2020, and hopefully that's going to continue to loosen up over the course of 2021. But insurance agents will go around and not necessarily do speaking in the sense that they're on stages throughout the country, but they will be on mm-hmm. smaller stages in front of a mortgage broker team. So they're in front of a mortgage, yep. they bring in lunch and they get a 30 minute time to be able to speak to them. They get in front of real estate agents and they're able to mm-hmm. do they go to a BNI group. I mean, those are important things. I see those yep. as stages for those insurance agents. Absolutely. What's the best piece of advice or maybe the thing that they could avoid whenever they're up there. What is your best piece of advice for when they're on those stages speaking? Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar. You probably are because we've promoted him is Pete Vargas and his organization called Advance Your Reach. I think Pete is the best at helping people leverage stages. And you're right. A stage doesn't mean you have to be speaking in front of a thousand people. His core customer, the majority of Pete's customers are local service providers in small market America, not even small, but like that aren't looking to go travel and speak in other states or big events, but it's like, how do I speak in my local community, the chambers of commerce, the people that if I can gain 20 or 30 new customers every year, that's a massive win. And he coaches them. He's got a whole process of how you can actually do this. There's no one better than Pete, his product. I forget stages to scale. I think it's the product. It's a $2,000 product. It's amazing. You will get the ROI on that probably back within a quarter. And I highly, highly recommend it. Pete and I think about stages so much the same. It's not about getting paid to speak. It's about, like I said, being a trusted content provider. And if you can be seen as that as your local community where someone's going to come to you and say, oh yeah, I heard this person, and maybe they're not the person that's going to buy, but they know other people and you can leverage that stage to gather email addresses and their strategies around that. Like we could go in the weeds, but it'd probably be nerdery. And Pete is just so good at that. And so I check him out and his story this year in the middle of COVID, his whole business was built on person stages. I had a call with him. He's like, Chad, my business is gone. I remember this the third week of March. And I said, Pete, just reframe, let's think. And Pete, he had a meeting the next day with his team. He started thinking differently about stages and virtual and how do we help these people. He ended up generating. Uh, He pivoted, did some different things marketing wise and generated what he did all of the previous year, 2019, in the next 30 days. No way. And it was eight figures. Oh my. Eight, yeah. Eight figures in 30 days. So it's you should talk problem. to him about what he did because it's amazing. Are you an agency owner looking to grow your revenue and increase your bottom line? Club Capital is here to help. Built for agents by agents. So we know your struggles. With accounting, payroll, and HR solutions, tax services, analytics, and more, let's get you on the path to serious success. Using data-driven insights, you'll grow your business based on revenue and expense comparisons alongside your top performing peers. With over $100 million in tracked annual revenue and $70 million in tracked annual expenses, we have the data to help you make better informed decisions for your agency. Let's make your back office less of a hassle and more of the strategic generator that powers the growth to take your agency and your leadership to the next level. Visit club.capital today to book your complimentary, no obligation demo. Club Capital, way more than a CPA firm. One thing that you just said right there, though, is that you said you helped him to reframe his thinking. So his mindset about Mm -hmm. it first before it ever got to anything about how to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. I think that's absolutely critical. I've got a lot of questions about just sales and sales leadership because of your position now, but I really do want to ask this one question about marketing. Where's marketing going in general? I know that's a really broad question, but just over the next 
two to three to four years and kind of asking you to have some sort of a crystal ball here, which I know is difficult to do or if not possible, but where do you see it's going? I mean, you have been exposed. I heard it said the other day that your net worth is your network and you have an incredible Mm -hmm. network just with Michael and just the people that you're exposed to. And so I feel like that you're on the cutting edge, truly, not just of technology, but just of marketing trends. Where are things going? Yeah, I think it's going more local than ever. And what I mean by that, I think what has made Facebook and Instagram and all of that work, honestly, is local. Some people are terrified of it because these are big global brands. But Hulu, I mean, people are cutting the cord and advertising right now. Like we're doing a bunch of testing with Hulu ads. And the great thing about Hulu ads is they're getting IP address. People are cutting cord left and right. People are going to YouTube Live, Hulu Live, and they can serve up ads specifically. They know what you're watching more so than through cable television. It's directly to the consumer. They know all of your habits, like from a platform standpoint, I think that's going to be the biggest platform to rise. But I think the biggest idea is more local. People are going to come back. Who knows what's going to happen with COVID? There's going to be people that don't have the confidence to travel. It's going to be important local things. I think Facebook and Google, they're so big that they're going to stay. People are leaving Facebook in droves. They leave for like 30 days. If you look at the trend, they come back. It's because we're addicted. So which means marketers are going to continue to be there and leverage it. I've always said the saying, marketers ruin everything. All good things, marketers ruin. You think about email open rates used to be 95%. Marketers came in and destroyed that. Like you'd be happy with 12% now. You think about billboards. In certain things, billboards are still effective depending on your market and what your product offering is and all of that. But I think it's going to come back to local, which I think for insurance agents being that that's your business, primarily, I think is a good thing. And if we can get out ahead of it and see like even testing Hulu ads, and if you're someone that is big in commercials, be getting off of the local news through the cable provider and go be testing Hulu. You're going to be so far ahead of the game. And you're so right. And I think a lot of people listening to this podcast are saying, oh, this is great to hear you say that because they feel like that they're back in the game as opposed to it was kind of getting out away from them in a sense that they didn't know how to really be able to compete anymore. And so it seems like it kind of went outwardly and then, then it's kind of coming back in. I think that's great. Totally. I would even say, I think podcasts are only rising. And that's another thing of local. The thing about a podcast is every time you're on a podcast, it's a stage. You're getting 45 minutes in between people's ears to add value. Mm -hmm. And even if you were to have a local podcast to add value and you had 50 to 100 people listening to your episode every week, and you're really focusing on local content or your regional content, that's going to be a big win. Like you would go speak to 100 people, the Chamber of Commerce, you know, when I'm talking to the people listening to potentially get five to 10 clients. So why not try to create your own podcast. That's another avenue that I know in the financial world, services-based business that is thinking about lead generation podcasts are continuing to grow, but it's all about how do you add value? And I think that's so important because sometimes we can get in this mindset of saying, well, I'm not going to be Joe Rogan. So if I'm not going to be Joe Rogan's podcast, Mm -hmm. then I'm just not going to do it. But the reality is, or I'm not going to be Michael Hyatt's podcast. I'm not going to be lead to win. Well, Mm -hmm. yeah, but you don't have to be that to be able to make an impact on your business at that level, which can be profound. What did you learn whenever you left Thomas Nelson and started your own company? You were there, yeah, that company you said for 18 months before you came on with Michael Hyatt. What did you learn during that 18 months that you feel like having that owner's hat on during that time that has made you better in the positions that you've had today? You know, I joke all the time with Michael because we launched Business Accelerator, which is our coaching program for small business owners. I said, if I would have had Business Accelerator before I shut my agency down, I would still be running my agency (laughs) because it was so helpful 
But honestly, I feel like one of the things that I think most business owners struggle with that we see all the time in business accelerators, how do I continue to grow and scale my company that is not reliant upon me? Mm. And how can I hire people that take ownership the way that I do, that I live and breathe this thing. And like, I'm the one that's taking all the risk as the owner, the bottom line impacts me, my family is that I know that stress. And so I'm able to really take ownership of this company. And Michael has given me that freedom to do so. Like, even though I've got that experience, it takes a leader like Michael to be able to give some of the reins over so that I can act like an owner. I don't have ownership in the company, but we want all of our executives to act like an owner. People always complain that my people don't own things the way that I do. And part of it's because you're not actually imparting ownership into them. That doesn't mean real ownership in the bottom line, but how you involved in setting goals and sharing the vision and where you want to go and what the day-to-day looks like and all of that, like that's a big shift. And that's the beauty that Michael had working in a corporate environment and now taking what he learned into a small business, seeing that has allowed me. And also knowing the tough decisions that Michael has to make, I can empathize with as the owner because I've been there before too. So that's a different sense as well. We've had a lot of success hiring small business owners to be executives or directors in our company because they immediately have that. And we always say, we don't hire people that batteries are required. Like when you come to this team, batteries are required. You're going to be moving fast. Batteries better be included. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think it was Michael that actually first said, and I think it's in the book that you guys released last year, entrepreneurs will save the world. And he said, entrepreneurship is a mindset, not necessarily an Mm -hmm. equity ownership type thing. And that actually reframed my mind into it. But I think what you just said there, is I know that there was a period of time in first business that I really was having a hard time that I felt like nobody on my team understands because they're not sitting in my seat. They're not sat in my seat. And so it's so easy to think, well, why don't we do this? And why don't we do that? And why don't we do this? Until you've actually sat in that seat, you just don't know how difficult some of those decisions really are. I think that was really great for you to be able to see it and say, well, that is a challenging decision. I can relate to that. Mm -hmm. So you came on with Michael Hyde, but you were in the chief marketing officer at the time. And then when did you transition to the chief sales officer? Probably going on two years. I don't think it's fully two years. I think maybe April 1st will be two years. But I'd hired a director of marketing and she was just killing it. And I was starting to dabble in sales as kind of like, and I was big that we need to hire salespeople and do different things. And as we were looking at it, it was just like, looked in the mirror one day and I said, why don't I just do this? And the director of marketing, she's killing it. Like, honestly, if she's not promoted, she's not, you know, so I was really trying to replace myself. And so I came to Michael one day, I was actually at a break at Business Accelerator in the green room. And I said, hey, here's what I think we need to do. He's a high quick start. He's like, all right, let's do it. Let's talk to Megan. Let's make this happen. And Megan was actually not in the business at the time because Megan and Joel had just adopted Naomi and they were in the hospital. And so literally the next couple of days, I was in the hospital kind of just casting vision with Megan about what this would look like. And Within a week, it happened. It was just a need. And they said, hey, let's go after it. And so it's been a wild ride. There's now seven of us on the sales team. And probably by the end of the year, there'll be about 10 of us. So that would be a pretty big insurance agency just to have a sales team of seven people. But it's close enough for you to be able to understand. Mm -hmm. What is your biggest piece of advice? So again, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. The owners are wearing all the hats, sometimes simultaneously. What is your best piece of advice for owners today that are leading sales teams? Well, there's two or three things that come to mind. One, you need to document a sales process for your team. And what I mean by that is 
typically, and a lot of owners don't think they can do this because they say, well, it's just who I am. It's why I started the business. Someone else is not going to be able to sell the way that I can sell. That's not true. If you were to take time and really understand, like think about the last 10 clients you closed, what are the key things that you did? Like selling is hitting on psychological triggers. There are things, and the reality is most successful salespeople do this innately. But if you take time to break it down, like I just had this with a sales rep, like we've mapped out our sales process on a sales call because most of ours are people book a call and we've got an hour to kind of take them through. And there are specific things. And I always say that it's not a sales call. Like we show up, we add value, we want to win that call. And if that means at the end of the call, we say, hey, you need to buy another product and maybe it's not ours. And I'm fine with that. In sales, you want to be the right fit for them, no matter what you're selling, because it's going to be painful down the road. If you just, you're a good salesperson, you sell them into something and it's not good for them. It's frustrating. It's just not going to be good down the road. And so I listened to a couple calls. So we use a software called Gong that records all of their calls and I'm able to take notes. It's about a $10,000 a year program, but I can tell you right now, it's worth every penny. So two Fridays ago, I spent two hours listening to three sales calls because I was able to do this on one and a half speed and provided coaching to one of our sales reps. And he's one of our top sales reps. So it's not like it was because he needed a ton of feedback. He was kind of slow a couple of weeks. And immediately I identified three or four things. I said, hey, you're not following our script. I shouldn't say script. It's a flow. Like It's not word for word, but there are certain things. There's transitions. There's psychological triggers that we do. And I said, hey, you've gotten away from this. The reason why we set this up is because there are triggers, just subtle things here, showing up, having a couple stories of industry specific clients coming up, like making sure you've got a story for how this person is going to resonate. Because the biggest objection we have is, will this work for me? Small business owners think their business is unique. And the biggest question they always have that we have to overcome is, will this work for me? So if we can have a story of a similar type industry of how they're leveraging our product, that's sometimes all they need. And sign up. The next week, he had three one-call closes. In the last year, he didn't have one call close. Unbelievable. Not one one one-call close. And so I asked him on Friday, I said, hey, what do you think the biggest change was? There was two things you told me in that in coaching that triggered this. And I said, I had way more confidence going into the call and I pushed this and I could tell immediately they responded. And so it's getting clear about your sales process and also checking in to make sure your sales process is being followed, I think is important. So I know there was a second thing that you said there, but I really have to point out to this one thing because this in the insurance industry really gets thrown around a lot. And I was uncomfortable with it five, six years ago, whenever I was trying to implement it. And you said the difference of a flow or a process as opposed to a script, because it is so common Mm -hmm. to then type out exactly what to say and then say, okay, now this is the Mm -hmm. silver bullet script that you need to use. And Mm -hmm. it comes across as salesy. It doesn't come across as genuine. Totally, The the person on the other end feels like that they're talking to a cable company Mm -hmm. rep that's following a script. Yeah. So my thing is it's all about like, so for any sales call, the number one thing I do is build rapport. There's so many different ways to build rapport in the first three minutes of a call, talking about the weather, figuring out things about their kids. Like you really want it to be personal. And then first and foremost, you like to respect time. It's like, okay, you set the stage for what's going to happen in this call, whether this is, whether you're meeting in person, a lunch meeting, but it's this mutual agreement. But the way that you word it, is in such a way that you want to articulate that what we're going to do in this call is going to help you come to a point to make a decision if we're the right fit for you or not. Mm. And so right there, 
they're triggering what I see most happen in bad sales calls is the time that you tell people that there's a purchase decision coming. It's too late in the call for someone's brain to actually understand that there may be commerce happening here. And that doesn't need to be done in a dirty way, but it's we say, hey, here are the things we're going to do. And if we do these three things, it's going to be really obvious if we're the right fit for you or not. Our job is not to sell you this program. It's really to help you identify if this is the right fit for you or not. And then there's like a transition line. But a good salesperson is going to make that their own. I don't want to tell, put words into their mouth and have them be a robot. And that's going to be way more effective. Just a couple other questions I want to ask you. If anybody and so many of our listeners I knew do follow Michael Hyatt and have followed just the trajectory of the company, I think I would be remiss as personally a, a man of faith to not comment on this is that the entire company from Michael's mm-hmm. leadership has been based and centered around that. And a lot of people listening to this, they have their own beliefs about it. But I just want to mm-hmm. ask you, why has that been so important to the Michael Hyatt company? Yeah. So in our mission, the goal of what we do is at the first and foremost, and everything we do is to glorify God. That is an important piece. And we have people that work for us from all different faith backgrounds. But if you can't get on board with that, like this isn't the place for you to work, but it sets the stage for why we do what we do. And our business coaching is not like, yes, do we want to help you grow and scale your business? But we say in a sustainable way, helping you achieve the double win, the win at work and succeed at life, because we believe you as the business owner, whether you're male or female, your first priority is your family, not your business. And unfortunately, in our culture today, that's been tilted. Most people, when push comes to shove, they are going to sacrifice their family for their business because of what else they've got in their life. Their lifestyle has been built in a way that if the business suffers, everything else suffers. That's the lie we tell ourselves, which allows us as an organization to also treat our employees that way. It's not like we live that out. We teach it, but we also live it out. And because of that, we also have an organization that culturally we can call it out. When we are, like there are times that we get super ambitious and sometimes that double win starts to slip at our executive team level or our management level that we have the freedom. There are some other organizations here in Nashville that don't have that freedom to call out leadership. We have that. And because we treat each other with respect and that comes down to kind of that top At the end of the day, everything we do is to glorify God. And Michael would say a lot of this is all disguised as a ministry or business, doing business, but it really ends up being a ministry. We have stories of that. And we definitely don't beat people over the head with scripture or biblical anything. But if people ask, we talk about it. We don't shy away from it. And Michael talks all the time about his morning ritual and reading scripture and what that means to him and all of that. But that's probably to the extent publicly really talk about it. When you came on to the company, last question, we're going to go to E9 Rapid Fire. When you came onto the company, was it four people with the company at the time? Is that right? Yeah, full-time employees. A lot of contractors, we have four full-time. And where are you guys at now? We're at 50, but we'll be at 60 really fast. So what has that ride been like from four to 60? What's the biggest takeaway for somebody? You know, a lot of insurance agency owners won't get to that big, but they'll go from two to mm-hmm. three to maybe 10, 15. That's not uncommon at all to go there. And it changes a lot. And so what's the biggest piece of advice or maybe just the biggest takeaway that you've had in seeing that acceleration over the last several years? The hiring is the most important thing. You've got to hire the right people. And if you hire the wrong people, make that decision really fast. It's best for both of you. It's best for the wrong hire. And I've done it. The reason we were able to do this was also Michael's leadership, the ability to realize that his hands can't be in everything and that he's hired this person to do this for a reason. That doesn't mean that you totally abdicate, 
I have a saying that says you inspect what you expect. So it doesn't mean that you hire someone and totally, but a year to 18 months down the road, you should be able to not be in their business, letting them flourish and use the skills that you hired them to do. Obviously, there's ramp up time depending on the position. Most of our sales reps, I would say it's a 90 to 120 day ramp up time before they're fully ready to rock and roll. That doesn't mean they're not selling between that, but where I can say, hey, here's your goals, here's what you need to hit month in and month out. That's for us what that is. Like at a director level, it's six to nine months for them to get the lay of the land. They're still contributing a lot from day one, but before they can fully feel like they're confident and comfortable culturally and in the flow is that time frame. I have so many questions I could ask you. I'm going to have to have you <laughs> podcast again, okay? But I want to be respectful of I your love time. It. So these first two questions, I was really excited to ask you because of your background and because of your affiliation with Michael Hyatt and the entire company. So what is the last book that you read? I'm in the middle of Get Your Life Back by John Eldridge. The book you would recommend the most to small business owners? I think it's Measure What Matters by John Doerr. He talks about OKRs in that book, and I think it's the best out there. It's phenomenal. Name one course on your bucket list to play golf that you have not played yet. Oh, I was just talking about this with my wife this morning. I forget the name, but it's the course in New Zealand. It's got like an Italian name. I forget, but it's some course in, I haven't played Bandon yet, so Bandon's up there as well. I did a guy's trip to Pinehurst last year in North Carolina, which was epic. But I'd say that course in New Zealand or Bandon. Bandon's pretty spectacular. Pretty spectacular. Yeah. 10 years ago, I never knew this would be so hard. I'd say marriage. And that's not bashing marriage. It's just the fact that the refining part of marriage and being a better human being because of my spouse is the most beautiful thing. It's probably the hardest thing I've ever gone through. When we're able to get on flights a lot more frequently, hopefully sooner rather than later, who would you like to sit next to on a 10-hour flight and why? I would say Steph Curry. I'm just fascinated by the way he loves life. I mean, he's I would say one of the most talented basketball players of all time, but also an amazing golfer. I love his style. I love his swag. Like there's so much about Steph, but I also like, uh, I have a buddy actually that's helping him kind of build his brand. So I'd love to just like pick his brain because I think he's got a very clear path of where he's going as a brand too. And just, I love the brand aspect. And so just to be able to talk life around marriage, brand, all that. My son Cooper would love that answer. Okay, I'm gonna tell him because he loves yeah. it. <laughs> all right. You guys use a lot of different tech for different things. You mentioned one earlier, Gong. But what is your favorite tech tool that you use every single day that most people have not heard of? Voxer, V-O-X-E-R. On the App Store, it's called Voxer Walkie Talkie. Do you use it? Oh, 100% the best communication tool. I could delete everything else. If you give me Voxer, I'm good. I'm the same way. Because I could do it in the car when I'm driving. Like, I don't have to write it out. Like, there's nothing worse than, like, looking at Slack and then not being a place to like have a long response. If you're leading people, Voxer is the best because you just have people coming at you in so many different ways and it's the best way to get your best thinking. 100%. Asynchronous communication is incredible, yep. Okay, build your dream foursome for us. Foursome in golf is what you're saying? In golf, yeah, foursome in golf, yes. Yep. Well, I'd love to just, Steph Curry, because yeah, I mean, I know he's not a professional golfer, but I mean, scratch. Tiger Woods, I'm fascinated by Tiger. I actually just got into golf since COVID, but I have been like watching golf because of Tiger since I was 22, I guess. Phil Mickelson, just because I think I love 
and if possible to bring Payne Stewart back from the grave mm. to have Payne Stewart play. That would be my foursome. This is stylish, stylish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my All fifth right. would be Barkley. You got to bring Barkley, you know, Barkley. Oh, Barkley would be great. Barkley would be so <laughs> Yeah. Okay, you guys talk a lot about, understandably so, in your full focus planner and just all your programs, just the importance of having rituals. So just go through just maybe a couple parts of your daily ritual that are really important to you that you feel like set you up for success. You don't have to necessarily go through the entire thing, but just a couple things that you feel like, hey, this is really important to me. Yeah, so I would say for most business owners and entrepreneurs, the thing that if you don't have this figured out you will always work more than you need to is a work shutdown ritual. What do you need to do to get clear about, be able to leave the office to make sure that you are clear about what got done, it's the most important things and what's gonna be the most important thing for tomorrow from a success standpoint. So I revisit everything and then set my big three for the following day. That alleviates a lot of stress because I know in my marriage and in my life, when I leave work at work, which means I don't really leave it. If I don't have a clear kind of break for the first two hours I'm home, I'm just anxious. And then that leads into the next morning because I didn't actually get clear about what I need to accomplish or close the day really well. That start that just kind of puts me behind the eight ball. And so when I started really leveraging my workday shutdown ritual, that was the big thing, which for me was making sure that I didn't have any meetings the last two hours of the day. And the last 20 minutes was dedicated to just looking at my task list and deciding what needs to be delegated, what do I actually need to do and what could be removed and then making clear about what are the three things I need to do tomorrow. Like just that simple. So I was really excited to ask you this question too. It's the last question on our E9. It is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Michael Hyen and Company is a leadership development company. What is the best piece of leadership advice you've ever received? Ah, well, when something goes wrong and whether or not it was necessarily your fault, and I actually saw this play out this morning with Michael in a pretty big deal, which is very rare, but what about my leadership led to this result? So we as leaders sometimes like to pass the buck and say, well, it was this person's fault. But as a leader, you say, hey, what about my leadership led to this result? So for example, we have a big webinar coming up next Wednesday for Business Accelerator. I mean, it'll probably drive $2 million in sales over the next 45 days. Mm. Michael sends a note basically saying, hey, I can't get to this. And the way that our promotional calendar is, we can't really move it. We're a big company now, like things are set months in advance. And here's what to do this. I'm gonna have to work all weekend, which is totally against our core values, all this other stuff. Like basically there's been multiple people drop the ball along the way. And Michael said, the reality is, is I did not set you guys up for success. So let me do a project vision caster. And he took the full ownership. And the reality is this probably wasn't his full responsibility, but it started there, which then made everyone else was doing work, but not really up to the satisfaction that Michael had. And so he basically said, hey, like I led you guys wrong in this. And what that did, I mean, and three or four of us were like, oh crap, like we're gonna scurry to make this happen. But Michael's like, no, I caused this. We can't have it happen again, but I'm going to suffer this weekend, but it's because of my leadership. Mm. And we're going to hit this date next week. And I can tell you, there were two people in that thread that have never experienced Michael because they were newly promoted to positions and uh, had never experienced this kind of communication in our company before. And I can tell you the amount of respect they have for Michael now is like, I've seen it time and time again, but it's just important that as a leader, that is the fastest way. And it's not like, and it's because Michael did, he dropped the ball, but most leaders don't admit that. 
what an incredible example. Just being able to share that, I know that that resonates with me because I want to be able to be that for my team and make sure that I'm taking that ownership at times, not unnecessarily, but at the times when totally. yep. it's necessary. Chad, it's been a pleasure having you on. If somebody wants to find more about you or especially Michael Hyden and company, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you and find about how you guys can help them out? Yeah. So michaelhyatt.com has all the resources that we have. Go there. If you want to reach out to me, probably Instagram's the best way. Ccanon21, uh, kind of the personal. And then I've got a golf handle, he tees off. I do way more on the he tees off because like social media to me, like I built a whole company around social media that I'm kind of like, I'm over it except golf. I'm all in on the, on the golf Instagram. <laughs> Hope you'll come back on. I got a lot more questions for you. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Brad. Absolutely. Wasn't that a great podcast? I mean, Chad and I have just really enjoyed getting to know each other. And there's so many just different things that came from that. And one of the things that really just stood out to me is whenever he just talked about the sales process documentation and how so often we can think that we can't really get it out of our head and teach it to others. But he actually said, no, if you really take the time to do it, you can break down what you're doing in every one of those conversations, even if you've never thought of it. It's just an awareness, really. And I loved how he was basically just talking about flow and transitions and not overly scripting the process, but yet going in and being intentional about listening to the conversations that his team is having. Hey, look, that really resonated with me. We've heard that before so many times to do that, but are we actually doing it? No surprise that they've been able to grow that company because they're intentional about not just taking and hearing an idea and saying, oh yeah, that's something we should do, but actually really doing it and the value that came from that, how he was able to see one call closes because they were intentional and they're touching on those psychological triggers. I really wish I could steal that flow and those transitions and then we can go and apply that because obviously it's working. So I think that's one of the biggest things that came from it. Certainly, he talked about the importance of finding the right people on the team and really being intentional about the culture. And I just thought the story that he shared also about Michael Hyatt and just the humility that he showed in a situation that he didn't really necessarily have to take ownership of, but he did. And how that is just so observant and that cascades down through the team. And so, again, no question why they've been able to grow and be so incredibly successful as a company. If you'd like to know more about Michael Hyatt, about Chad, go to michaelhyatt.com and reach out to them. They obviously, I love their full focus planners, uh, love their programs. Everything that they put out is all the books that Michael has written. We're grateful to have Chad on the podcast and hopefully we can have him back on in the future. Hey, are you looking to grow your business this year? If you're listening to this podcast, my guess is you are. Matt and Maddie Jones are incredible people at Direct Clicks. Reach out to them. They can help you to be able to dig in and learn more about pay-per-click. You may know a lot about pay-per-click ads and Google ads and SEM and SEO, but you may not know any of those things. They'd love to be able to jump on a free complimentary call just to kind of get to know you, your business, your goals, and see if they're a right fit. But at a minimum, look at what you're doing right now in your marketing. Are you getting a good return on investment? You may say, I don't even know where to start that. Download their free tool. If you, wherever you're listening to this podcast, we've got it in the show notes. You can click that link, 
put in your email address. They'll send you this great tool to be able to just enter in a few numbers and you'll start to see, well, where am I? You'll get a baseline that you can use. Maybe go back, have your financials from Club Capital, go back and look at what did you invest in marketing in 2020? But it's not just the dollar figure. Yes, that's important. You want to be somewhere between five and 8% of your gross revenue in marketing. But where are you spending that five to 8%? Are you getting a good return on investment? So at a minimum, download their free tool. Join our free private Facebook group. We'd love to have invite you on there. We put a lot of content in there just to be able to make sure that we provide value first. One of our core four values is to always provide value first. Until next episode, lead well.